Hey guys, welcome to Mom Space. I'm your host, Megan Chacoin. I recently became a stay-at-home mom to a little boy who I absolutely adore. I think I can speak for most moms when I say that motherhood is one of the most rewarding, craziest, messiest, hardest, and happiest times in your life. And although we soak up every moment with our little ones, we still need a space of our own, a space to think, a space to talk, a space to be heard. Once you become a mom, it's a whole new type of happiness. You just want to talk about them all the time. You want to take pictures of them all the time. You want to show pictures of them to everyone. And this is a space where you can do exactly that. We can share birth stories. We can share tips and tricks on starting solids. The things that moms really want to talk about. So instead of feeling like you're alone or like you have to turn to the internet or social media for ideas... Let's connect with real-life moms. Let's share real-life stories. In this podcast, it will be an outlet where your voice can be heard and where you can feel like you're truly validated in your motherhood journey. Welcome to Mom Space. I thought I'd start the first episode with my own birth story. So I'll start by telling you a little bit about myself and my family. My name is Megan Shacoin. I was born and raised in Maine. I met my husband in college um, at UMaine, go Black Bears. And we now have a six-month-old little boy named Easton. Um, he was born in May, just a few days before my 30th birthday. So I can say that I had my first baby in my 20s. Um, we have a dog named Monty and a cat named Nala. Most recently, we moved across the entire country. Um, and when I say the entire country, I mean, I mean we went um, from Maine all the way to California. So pretty much as far as you can go on the East Coast to as far as you can go on the West Coast. Um, so that was a big adjustment. Um, we have a few friends out here. Um, no family out here. And, um, I spent the last seven years of my life teaching kindergarten. Um, and now I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom, which I'm absolutely loving. Um, but I realized it's kind of lonely having one side conversations all day. Um, and even though my little guy smiles at me and coos at me and babbles at me, um, I wanted a place where I could actually talk um, and not just, you know, make baby sounds. Um, So this is going to be an episode about my own birth story. Um, So I guess I'll start out by telling how I found out I was pregnant. Um, So... My husband and I decided to kind of casually um, start trying a few months before our wedding. And, you know, if it happened, it happened great. Um, But we weren't really um, trying too hard. We just, we weren't preventing. So a little backstory. Um, My teenage brother um, passed away. Um, in 2019 
and my whole life kind of um, unraveled as I knew it. Um, and all I could focus on was my family and my grief and trying to understand why something like this could happen. Um, and, you know, being a young female in her 20s, being on birth control since I was a teenager, um, taking the pill, you know, there's moments in your life where you just completely forget to take the pill. Um, and my brother's passing was one of those moments. Um, I think weeks had gone by before I finally realized I haven't been taking my birth control pill. Um, it was like, I finally caught my breath and I remembered things like, I need to eat. I need to shower. Um, I need to take my vitamins. I need to take my birth control. Um, but at that point I had already stopped taking it for a few weeks. So I had a conversation with my then, um, boyfriend and said, listen, I've been on birth control for over 10 years. Um, I forgot to take it. I haven't been taking it for the last few weeks and I don't want to go back on it. Um, I had been doing research about, you know, the long-term effects of being on the pill and coming off of it and that it can take a while um, for you to regulate. And at that point, we had been together um, for almost six years. We owned a home together. Um, So we were in a, you know, loving, serious, committed relationship. And, you know, he understood and he's like, okay, you know, we'll just be careful in other senses. Um, So that was kind of how I came off birth control for the first time in my life since I was 14. And um, I realized that it truly had an effect on me. Um, And even though I was you know, grieving and emotional for other reasons, I realized being off birth control, I felt like I could regulate my emotions better. Um, You know, I just, I felt less anxious. I started sleeping a little better. um, And I just realized that there was other ways to go about, um, you know, protecting yourself. So I started tracking my fertility. Um, I got a fertility app and I really, um, came in tune with my own body. I started noticing like when I was ovulating or, you know, when I thought my period was coming near. And so I started tracking my cycle and, um, I started to realize, you know, I thought I always had an irregular cycle, but I think it was the birth control that was causing an irregular cycle. Um, because when I was a teenager, I my period was all over the place. Um, and I kind of always thought there was something wrong with me. And then when I got on birth control, my period actually stopped altogether and I went years without having one. Um, and I kind of always worried like, what's it going to be like when I come off of birth control? Am I going to be able to have kids? Will my period return? Um, is there something wrong with me? 
and my own mother um, had fertility issues. So I kind of always feared that, you know, it wouldn't be an easy road for me. So long story short, um, my now husband ended up proposing to me um, in January of uh, 2020. And um, we were so excited and he was so funny. He wanted to start trying for a baby right away. Like he wanted to have a baby before we even got married. And I was like, whoa, slow down. Like, I know we've been together for a while, but, um, I still want to do some things for myself. Like I still wanted to do the whole cliche, like bachelorette party and honeymoon. And I knew that once I became a mother, that knowing the person I am, I would put all of my time and effort and energy into that and selfishly I wanted to still do those things for myself so um I spent most of 2020 planning a wedding and um other things and still continuing to track my ovulation and I got so good at tracking my cycle that um I knew exactly when I was ovulating and so my husband and I would just be careful around that or my now husband then fiance and I would just be careful around that time so fast forward and it came um to April uh 2021 and we had um, our beloved dog Hooper, um, tragically, um, get hit by a car on, ironically, the same road that my teenage brother crashed and passed away on. Um, so when that happened, we both kind of just realized life is so short. Like, what are we waiting for? Like, you really can't plan and control things. So um, in April, just a few months before we were planning to get married, we were planning to get married in July of 2021, we decided, let's just see what happens. Um, so we started having intercourse around um, my ovulation week, and we weren't trying per se like we were just saying if it happens great let's just go with it and you know see if we get pregnant so um april came and went we weren't pregnant um may came and went we weren't pregnant um june was my bachelorette party um so that came and went we weren't pregnant and then july was our wedding month so I was really busy with that, and we also had a lot of other stuff going on in our lives. Um, We had other weddings we were attending and other events in our life, Um, so it was just really busy, and although I was still tracking my cycle, um, we were just casually seeing what happened. So then July came, and we got married on July 31st 2021 um 
and we went on a little getaway honeymoon um, to uh, my husband's family camp in Rangeley, Maine. Um, and it was the most peaceful week. Um, it was exactly what we needed. And we decided, like, we are going to make this happen. <laughs> um, it's our honeymoon and we want a baby. So dot, dot, dot. Um, we ended up having sex almost every day. Um, and then the waiting began. Um, so a couple weeks went by and it kind of, you know, I wasn't trying to obsess about it or, um, I was just going to see what happened. And I was kind of thinking like, oh, you know, probably nothing happened, but we were going to a friend's wedding, um, later that month in August and, um, I had been tracking my cycle and I had known the days that we had intercourse and, um, so I decided I'm not going to drink at this wedding because, um, I'm going to manifest that I'm pregnant. Like I'm going to tell myself I'm pregnant, you can't drink and it's going to make it true. (laughs) Well, fast forward I was pregnant at that wedding, so it is good that I didn't drink. Um, I didn't know that I was pregnant, um, but I was. So how I found out I was officially pregnant was it was September 1st, and I remember the date because it was my first day of school with my kindergartners, um, and I'm always excited when a brand new school year starts, and I was getting ready, I woke up in the morning, and I wasn't planning on um, taking a pregnancy test, but something just came over me. It was like the first thing that popped up into my head when I woke up that morning was like, I should take a pregnancy test. And, you know, part of me was like, maybe I shouldn't because, you know, I don't want to be disappointed um, and then not have a good first day of school with my students. Like, they deserve a happy teacher and but something was just compelling me to take it so I was just casually getting ready in the morning and I took it and I set it down and I was like oh I'll check it again in a couple minutes and then I couldn't believe it I saw like a faint second line pop up and I was like is that really there like and you know, when it's your first time taking a pregnancy test and your first time trying to get pregnant, um, you don't realize that any faint second line is like, yes, you're pregnant. Um, (laughs) so I started like Googling, like, even if the second line is faint, like, does that still mean you're pregnant? And, um, I called my mom and asked her and told her and, And then I texted the picture to my two best friends and they're like, yes, you're pregnant. Congratulations. (laughs) And I was like kind of in shock. I started crying. Um, I just couldn't believe it. So I decided, oh, I'm going to do something cute to tell my husband. And I went to school that day and I had the best first day of school ever. I just... I couldn't stop smiling. I I couldn't stop um, being giddy and just feeling so happy and so excited for the future. Um, 
So I ordered a cute little bandana for our dog that said, um, guess what? Mom is pregnant. And it was only supposed to take like a few days to come in. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be able to wait to tell my husband. Well, I couldn't wait. (laughs) So that night I got home, I made dinner for us. We ate, you know, talked about how was your first day of school? How was your day at work? Um, and then we were relaxing in the living room, watching TV. And I just, I was sitting in our, um, recliner and I just like kept smiling to myself and he's like, what are you smiling about? And then I was like, can you pause the TV? And he rolled his eyes at me. Um, cause like we were like right in the heat of one of our Netflix shows and he's like, what? Like what? And I go over and, um, I lay on top of him on the couch and I like give him a hug and a kiss and he's like why 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 are you being like this and I was like you're going to be a dad and like (laughs) the look on his face was just like pure shock pure joy he's like are you serious and I was like yep I'm pregnant and the next thing out of his mouth was like how did you keep that from me all day like how did you make dinner? How did you sit with me at the dinner table and just casually have a conversation? Like, how how did you not tell me? And I was like, well, I was trying to, like, wait for this cute bandana to show up to tell you, but I just, I couldn't wait anymore. Um, so we decided the next morning we were just going to take another pregnancy test to confirm it. Um, so we did, it was cute. We got up together in the morning and we went into the bathroom together and we just, we took it and we just like sat and stared at it. And sure enough, the second line came up and this time it was darker and, um, we just got so excited. And, um, so that weekend we were planning to go, um, back to our family camp in Rangeley and a lot of our close family and friends were going to be there. And at that point, we didn't know exactly how far along we were. Um, I think we were probably, like, just barely pregnant. Like, we might have been not even three weeks pregnant. Um, and my husband was just so excited. He, like, we got to Rangeley and he just started telling everyone, like, guess what? Megan's pregnant. Guess what? we got two pink lines, and I'm like, ow, like, solo your role, like, I haven't even gone to the real doctors yet to get it confirmed, um, and, you know, all these thoughts go through your head, like, is this real, is this really happening, like, like, you know, what if I messed up the test, well, like, what if I read it wrong, and you just have all these thoughts, like, when you, and you get nervous about telling other people, and, but, you know, my husband being young and excited and, um, his first time really experiencing pregnancy close up, um, he thought it was just, you know, news that, like, you share right away and, you know, luckily everything went well for us. Um, a couple weeks later, we went to our first dating ultrasound and, um, we saw, um, our son's little heartbeat up on the screen and, um, where we both teared up and in that moment, it just, it became so real to both of us. Um, 
that there's this tiny little being inside of me that like we created and um he's growing and it was amazing um and part of me like already felt like he was a boy like the very first time I saw him on the screen um when he was like I was only six weeks pregnant like something was just telling me this is a little boy and um yeah so that was amazing so I had gone to a previous doctor's appointment um a week before that just to get blood work to actually confirm that I was pregnant and um, at that one you don't talk to a real doctor um, at least at the practice I visited Um, you just talk to a nurse and um, she tells you like your options and um, asks you questions and um, she was trying to help me figure out my due date and Um, so we were kind of like looking at a calendar thinking the date that I thought we conceived our son and I said, oh yeah, I think I, um, I was just so excited in the moment. I was like, oh yeah, she asked if I had a normal 28 day cycle and I was like, yeah, I do. And then later when I looked in my app, um, I really have a more, uh, 26 day cycle, um, so I think the due date the nurse gave me was off by a couple days, but I was like, oh, I want the later due date because um, I knew that like you want as much time as you can so that, you know, when you get further down the road, it gives you more time for not having to be induced and things like that. So I think my true due date um, would have been May 12th, um, but the nurse and I decided we would do May 14th because that was based on the day um, I thought I conceived and the first day of my last period and a 28-day cycle. Um, so that gave me a due date of May 14th, 2022, which was only um, two days before my 30th birthday on May 16th, 2022. So I thought that was pretty cool and special. Um and then later when we went to our first dating ultrasound, that one actually um, predicted May 12th. Um, but on all the paperwork, they always pick the later predicted due date just to give you the extra time. So um, my predicted due date on all my paperwork was May 14th, but on my ultrasounds, it was May 12th. And I, the only reason I add that to the story is because my son actually ended up being born on May 12th. So I like to say he probably was a due date baby. Um, but just to continue on, um, my birth story, um, so we shared the news with our family and friends, um, mostly in person we would just tell each person and get hugs and we did facetime a couple people and um text a couple friends that lived further away um so my pregnancy was pretty textbook um i think the first trimester really my symptoms were super mild um i 
was craving red meat for some reason, which um, anyone that knows me knows I'm not a huge red meat eater. Um, And my nipples were a little bit sore and I was definitely tired, but um, I was always tired that time of year, the beginning of the school year. Um, Anyone that's a teacher or has worked with small kids know that, you know, that first September, October, November part of the school year, you're just exhausted. So I was coming home from school wanting to go straight to bed. Um, but that was pretty typical, um, even when I wasn't pregnant for that time of year. So yeah, my only symptoms were, um, sore nipples, a little tired and, um, craving red meat. So then I think later in the first trimester, I had like a couple food aversions, but they didn't last very long. Like it might've been a week. Um, I had a food aversion to chicken and a food aversion to eggs. Um, and then like some smells were strong and kind of made me gag. Um, but that went away pretty quickly. And those were my only symptoms in the first trimester. And then in the second trimester, um, I had so much energy. Like I started nesting hard. Like I was cleaning my house top to bottom. Um, Like I was organizing things. And at this point we had lived in our house for like seven years. And like there were closets and drawers that I had never organized. (laughs) So I was organizing my house top to bottom. Um, I just had so much energy. Um, and other than that, there's really nothing notable, um, in my second trimester. I just, I felt so happy and so excited and, um, I spent a lot of my time, um, researching what type of birth I was hoping to have, um, and, you know, being prepared for other ones if other things happened, Uh, I was researching postpartum life and, um, you know, newborn things. And I was just learning all I I could about um, pregnancy, labor and delivery, birth, postpartum, um, being a mom. Um, It just became my world. I was researching baby products um, and just really learning all I could. So... Um, and then our third trimester, I still felt good. I was definitely getting, um, bigger, um, and my belly was growing. I I would say I, my belly didn't start anyone that's curious. Um, my belly didn't start showing until like I started noticing it around 16, 17 weeks. Um, but then other people probably started noticing it around, like 22 to 24 ish weeks um so yeah and I hadn't like made an announcement at my work or anything yet like I'm pregnant um like I was kind of just letting (laughs) people notice on their own and then being like yep I'm pregnant and then uh they would say congratulations and whatnot and I did end up telling my students um right before Christmas break I told him, um, that I was pregnant. I was having a little boy and we were going to name him Easton and 
all my students were so excited. It was so sweet. Um, but uh, fast forward. So yeah, my third trimester was like pretty easy. Like I kept waiting and like, please don't hate me moms that didn't have an easy third trimester. Um, I kept waiting like for the sore back or, you know, to just like swollen feet or to not feel good or all the other things you hear, um, pregnant moms have a hard time with. Um, but yeah, I was really lucky. Um, I like passed all my tests, um, at all my appointments. Like I, I, uh, wasn't, I didn't have gestational diabetes. I was gaining the right amount of weight. Um, we did have like a couple little scares near the very end. I think I was like maybe 35 or 36 weeks pregnant and they thought that I had low fluid. Um, well, they measured my belly and they claimed I was measuring um, a few weeks behind. So they ordered an ultrasound and they thought that maybe my fluid looked a little low. So they wanted me to... Um, start having an ultrasound every week and then when they rechecked it again they realized that my fluid levels were actually fine and um explained that you know when the baby gets bigger in the third trimester the pockets of fluid are a lot harder to measure and um so yeah that was really kind of the only little mini scare we had um But I just, in that third trimester, I just spent most of my days uh, walking our dog around the neighborhood and bouncing on my ball, doing exercises on my ball. Um, I tried a little bit of hypnobirthing and um, I was hoping to have an unmedicated um, birth where I would just go into spontaneous labor um, and... I was learning techniques um, to kind of go inward and uh, get through the pain. Um, So let's see what happened next. Um, Oh, well, this is notable. So it was my last week of teaching and it was teacher appreciation week and Um, There was something cute planned for the teachers each week or each day at school that week. And I was like, oh, what a perfect last week of teaching. Um, Except for that the flu was going around like crazy at my school. Um, So I ended up catching the flu. And I think my husband even caught the flu before I caught the flu um, because it was also going around his work. And he thought that he had COVID um, because (laughs) that's the world we were living in um, is that anytime someone got sick, it's like automatically COVID, blah, blah, blah. Um, So he went and got tested for COVID and it was negative. So he's like, oh, I, I don't know what I have then. Well, I think it was the flu, but he had like a fever and chills and body aches and pains and um, like was coughing and like could barely get out of bed. And, um, so here I am like 39 weeks pregnant and I catch the flu. And when I tell you that it was awful, it was awful. Um, uh, 
I ended up missing the last uh, three days that I was supposed to teach. So um, it was Tuesday night. I woke up with a fever. So I missed teaching Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I was like so bummed out because like I wanted a proper goodbye to my students. Like I had like a little present to give them and little treats and like a special book and a special note that I had written each of them. And I was like really bummed out because I told my nurse um, at school that my symptoms and she was like, you should go to walk in and get tested. And so I did and I tested positive for the flu. And so she said, you know, you need to be out the rest of the week. And I was so sad because it was my last week of teaching. But um, yeah, it was awful having the flu. I had a fever for like three days and um, it was hard to want to eat and drink. And um, I was coughing so much. And I joke nowadays that like all the coughing is what put me into labor because um, I was just coughing him lower and lower and lower. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I think it was like a good, like maybe eight or nine days that my husband and I were sick and then we finally started feeling better. And, um, I kid you not, I think it was like two days after feeling better. Um, I went into labor. So it was, um, May 11th and I was like officially on maternity leave and I did end up going, um, into school the following uh, Monday, like after I wasn't contagious with the flu anymore. And I did give my students their present and, um, everything and said goodbye to them. So I did get a proper goodbye, thankfully. But so then, yeah, it was May 11th and I was officially on maternity leave and I was just walking around my neighborhood every day. And, um, that day I went and treated myself and, got a manicure and a pedicure because I was like, oh, like this will probably be the last time I can get one before the baby's here. And then, you know, who knows when the next time will be. Um, so I was like in the pedicure chair and um, the guy doing my nails, he was like massaging my feet and legs. And I thought it was just kind of like the way that I was seated, but like I started feeling crampy and I thought it was, just, oh, my belly's big. Like I'm feeling crampy. But I think that was the actual start of my contractions. Um, so then I went home and I tried um, taking a nap in the chair in my living room. And um, I thought I was like almost feeling like a mild period cramp. Like, and I, and I noted the time, like I looked at the time on my phone and it was about every 20 minutes. And I was like, hmm is this the start of something or like you, you just don't know, like when it's your first pregnancy. And so I texted my husband at work and I was like, I think I might be having contractions. And funny enough, he had just gone back to work cause we had just got over the flu and his coworkers were going to take him out that night, um, to celebrate, like him being back but then also he would be leaving um on his paternity leave soon because they knew we were having a baby any day and um so they kind of just wanted like one last night to take him out um and he's like okay um I was planning on getting drinks after work like do you think I can still do that and I was like yeah go 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 like 
and I actually had a doctor's appointment that day um and so I was like I'll let you know like what the doctor says at my appointment today and so I went into my appointment and I told my doctor I said I think I might be having contractions like I just feel these like really mild cramps like every so often and she's like well let's check you and up into this point in my pregnancy um I hadn't been checked at all at any of my appointments like vaginally I mean um I had always kind of just said no thank you because like I'm the type of person where I I knew like it didn't really matter and I didn't want it to get in my head um if they were checking me at like 36, 37, 38 weeks and saying, oh, nothing's happened or you're not dilated at all. or So at that point, I was 39 and four the day of this appointment. Um, and I was like, I think I might be having contractions. So she asked if I wanted to be checked. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. And I was so surprised when she said, well, you are having contractions and you are three centimeters dilated and you are 90% a face. And I was like, what? (laughs) Okay. I got super excited and she's like, um, yeah, she's like, I will probably see you tomorrow. I, I bet you'll be having a baby either tonight or tomorrow. And I was like, okay. Um, so I left the appointment. I was super excited and like, um, being a pregnant woman, you have to pee a lot. So I was like, oh, I'll go pee at the doctor's office before I get in my car and drive home. So I was peeing and sure enough, like there was my mucus plug. And I was like, oh God, like, you know, here, here, everything comes like everything I've read about it's, it's happening. It's, this is real. And I don't know if it was just like her being up there checking things. Um, but that drive home was like, wow. Um, the contraction started coming every five minutes and I was like, oh, like, you know, they'll probably calm down. Like it's, it's still early. Um, the things that you tell yourself when you're in labor, like, I don't know why I was in denial, but I was, and I feel like that's a common theme. Like, I feel like a lot of women are in denial in early labor, but anyway, um, I drove home and then I called my husband and I, I told him what the doctor said and um, that I was for real having contractions and he's got so excited and so he came right home and and he's like, you know, asking me questions and and he was like slightly buzzed um, from going out to drinks after work with his friends and I was like, I was like, hey, like, we've got a long, um, night ahead of us. I'm like, this could be 24 hours before this baby is here. Like, you know, we've, we've got to like relax at home and have dinner and stuff. And so like, I was going to cook dinner and he's like, comes into the kitchen and puts everything away. He's like, you're not cooking dinner. Like you're in labor. Like, let's just order to go. And I was like, fine. Um, so we ordered to go and we got delivery And so I went outside in our yard and I was just like, was walking circles in our yard waiting for the delivery guy to show up. And my dog like obviously thought I was playing. So 
Um, I'm sure any of my neighbors that saw this were like, what is going on? Like this, you know, giant pregnant lady walking around her yard. Her dog is chasing her. Um, But yeah, so the delivery guy showed up. We ate our delivery. Um, And then I told my husband, like, I want to take a bath and just like relax because the contractions were still coming. Um, like about every like three to four minutes at that point. And I, like, I knew the 411 rule, like four minutes apart lasting for one minute for one hour. And so of course, like I was kind of waiting for that, but I also knew like with your first pregnancy, um, things tend to progress more slowly or they can. And so like, I wanted to spend as much time at home as possible because I really wanted um, the unmedicated birth. I had done a lot of research for the benefits of unmedicated birth, um, how like you can have a less likely chance of tearing, a less likely chance of having um, a cesarean, um, you have a quicker recovery, um, the baby comes out more alert, ready to latch and breastfeed, which um, can make your breastfeeding journey more successful. And I just done my research, so I really wanted the unmedicated birth. Um, and I'm also, if I'm being honest, I'm also a bit of a control freak. And I knew there were so many things um, out of my control when it came to pregnancy and labor and birth. And like, you know, choosing to go unmedicated was one thing I could control. Um, and I'm also the type of person like where I don't like to be stuck in one place. So like having an epidural... I, it would be torture for me to just be stuck in a bed and like not know what's going on and like not feeling things and not being able to like get up and move and feel like I'm somewhat in control of my body. So, um, I wanted to labor at home, um, at home as long as possible, um, so that I could meet my goal of having an unmedicated birth. So I told my husband I'll take a bath. So he drew me a bath and, um, he got everything ready for me in there, like, some water and, like, put out a bath tray with, like, um, my phone and stuff, and we were tracking my contractions, and at that point, um, they were coming, like, every two to three minutes, and I think they were lasting, like, just under a minute, like, they were, like, you know, 40, 50 second contractions, And, um, my husband's face was like in shock because the app like popped up, like you need to head to the hospital. And I was like, babe, just ignore it. Like, you know, it's just an app. Like I'll know when we need to head to the hospital. And then, you know, it wasn't even a few minutes later. I said to him, I think I'm going to throw up. Um, can you like get me something to throw up in? Um, and he's like, oh my God, yeah. So he's so funny. He rings me back like a giant bucket from the garage. And I was like, okay. Um, and I threw up in it. And I knew enough. I had listened to like enough birth stories that throwing up can be a sign that like you're in, in transition. You're going from early labor to active labor. And so like I was like kind of geeking out and getting excited in like my little birth nerd way that like, oh my God, like... I did it. I made it through early labor. Now I'm in active labor. Um, and I thought, you know, that was going to be the only time I threw up. Um, spoiler alert. I ended up throwing up. Um, I don't even know how many times, like probably over 
30 or 40 times um, throughout my whole labor. So yeah, I threw up a lot. But after I threw up, my husband got kind of concerned and he's like, I think like, you know, the app kept popping up, like head to the hospital, head to the hospital. And I was like, after I threw up, I was finally like, all right, you can call my doctor and see what she says. But like, I still think we should relax at home. Um, So he called and he got like, you know, the after hours, like nurse, like, oh, so she'll call you back, blah, blah, blah. And like, if you know my husband, he was like panicking. He's like, how can like they not like just send you straight to the doctor I'm like well she's like busy being a doctor like she'll call us back like I it was funny I was the one in labor like having contractions throwing up and like I was more calm than him but um so I think maybe not long went by like 10 minutes and the doctor called us back and he told her um my symptoms like that my contractions were coming about every three and four minutes lasting just about a minute. Um, I'd been having them for a couple hours now and I had thrown up and she's like, yeah, come to the hospital. And he's like, really? It's not too early. Like we can come. And she's like, yep, come to the hospital. So I was like, okay. Um, so I get out of the bath and get dressed and, um, we grab our bags upstairs and there's a few last minute things. And, um, I asked my husband to take one last bump picture of me heading out the door and when I look back at that picture now like I can see how low my belly was like he was coming um but yeah so it was kind of a comical ride to the hospital um called my mom told her that we were heading there and she was like yeah I'm already on my way she's like I I, I knew that you were going to have a baby tonight. I'm like, well, mom, like, that's fine. You don't, because she, she lived three hours away. I was like, that's fine. You don't have to come tonight. I'm like, the baby probably won't even be here till maybe tomorrow. Like, just come tomorrow. And she's like, nope, I'm coming tonight. I'm like, okay. And um, so the ride there, we, um, it was about a 45-minute drive um, without traffic or anything like that. And it was later at night at this point. It was like ate something at night um I believe and so you know traffic wasn't bad or anything um but we got to the hospital and and my husband and I had done a test drive like a few weeks prior like we had driven to the hospital and like found the parking lot and planned like where we were going to park and walk in and check in and stuff and so like we were feeling confident but we got there and the parking lot that we had been planning to park in was full um so then like we went up to the front and he was trying to drop me off at like the front to check in and um the girl was like yeah like we're full like we're really busy like you can go park in the parking garage and check in through the emergency department and at that point we were just like whatever um and I forgot to mention that my husband um almost drove down a one-way road and like here I am having a contraction I'm like oh you can't go down that road it's a one-way road and like I was staying calm he was kind of driving fast and sporadic and I'm like babe just take your time like it's it's okay so yeah we got to the parking garage and we checked in through the emergency department we get there and the emergency emergency departments like you should check in through the main entrance and I was like well the main entrance just told us to check in here 
Um, so the security guard is like looking at me and I start to have a contraction and he's like, yeah, let's just get you checked in. Um, so the super nice nurse in the emergency department puts me in a wheelchair and he's like, are you ready for a 15 minute ride through the hospital? Like to get to labor and delivery and He's like, how many contractions do you think you're going to have in this wheelchair? And like, it was making me laugh and distracted. And so, yeah, we ended up making it, you know, through the whole hospital. He was so funny and nice the whole way. And I, I think we counted and I had like four contractions um, in the wheelchair. And like, it was still bearable at that point. And so like, I was still worried, like, oh my God, we're here too early. They're going to send us home. And, you know, first time parents, um, they don't know what they're doing. Um, so we get to labor and delivery and we're checking in at the desk and I had already like pre-registered and pre-filled everything out. And they asked like some questions like, oh, when was your last appointment? And I told him I had had one that day and that, um, my doctor said I was three centimeters dilated, 90% of face, and that was around 4 p.m. that day, and now it's, like, almost 9 p.m., and they're like, all right, um, well, triage is full, so, like, we're gonna bring you straight to a labor and delivery room and get you checked out, so they bring me straight to a labor and delivery room, and at this point, my husband hadn't even brought in our bags because he thought maybe they were gonna, like, send us home. (laughs) I don't know what he was thinking, um, but they checked me and they're like, yep, you're 100% of face, negative two station, and you're almost five centimeters dilated. And I was like, what? Really? Okay. Um, so that was super exciting. Um, and, and that's when the throwing up started again. Um, so I just kept asking my husband to like, get me the little bags that they have at the hospital that you can throw up in. And, um, I should mention that it was a resident that checked me. Um, and he like kept asking me like, Oh, what's your plan for pain management? And like, what do you want? And I was like, Oh, see all that stuff in the corner. Like I was pointing, pointing to like the birthing ball and the birthing stool and the bathtub. I'm like, that's my plan. Like, um, you know, I don't want, any medicine and um I was asking if I had to even get an IV and he's like yeah like I recommend it in case of emergency and I was like yeah I respect that like that's a good idea um so I did get just an IV put in my arm just in case um and my nurse um her name is Carly I remember that because she was super amazing she was just like really calm and chill and just like had this like like peaceful presence about her and she really just like would float into the room and like I would just feel more at ease when she was in there um so she put my IV in and um she got us a bunch of extra throw up bags and um she gave us a mask but like she didn't make us wear it like I don't think we wore it at all um I really couldn't wear it because I was throwing up so much but um So yeah, then after we were all settled in, um, my mom showed up and it was funny. She like came into the room and she's like, I had a hard time finding you. Like, you know, I kept saying Megan Chacoin and they kept saying, well, that patient isn't here. Like we don't have anyone by that name. And so she said, I finally tried your maiden name, um, 
and she's like, I found you. And, and so that will come back into play later in the story. But somehow the hospital had me in the system um, by my maiden name, even though I had been married for almost a year at that point, And I had done my pre-registration and everything with my ID, like with my married name. And so I don't know how that happened. But um, she found us and um, that was like you know, I said hi to her, and then I kind of started going into my own space, like my own world. Um, The first thing I did was I went into the bathroom, and I sat backwards on the toilet, and there were these poles um, around the toilet that you could just kind of hold on to and press into, and they were cool, and like the tile was cool, and I would kind of just like press my feet into the cool tile, and when a contraction was coming, and um that was relieving for me to sit backwards on the toilet and my husband would just bring me water to keep me hydrated because he knew I was throwing up a lot and he knew that it was important to me um to stay hydrated so that I would have the energy for pushing and um could hopefully do everything unmedicated um and I had like coached him a lot and prepared him a lot um and how to advocate for me and um, my wishes and explain to him, you know, that if things go for a long time, if it's a long labor, you can get so tired by the end, um, that sometimes you need to get that epidural to have the strength for pushing. And so he knew, you know, that was important to keep me hydrated. Um, so he kept bringing me water and, um, I don't even know how long I sat backwards on the toilet. It it had to have been like, maybe almost two hours because at one point I just was sitting backwards on the toilet and I asked my mom what time is it and she said like 11 something and I was like mentally thinking okay I got checked in around nine something now it's 11 something like awesome I've already killed two hours so then I decided okay let's distract myself again um and I asked my mom to fill up a bath for me because the nurse had come in and checked on me sitting backwards on the toilet and she had offered a bath and at that point I wasn't like quite ready to move. Um, for anyone that has made it through a contraction, you know, like, um, getting yourself like up to move is like a battle because like you get through one and then like you want a break and then another one comes. Um, so I finally like got myself, um, up and was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's try the bath now. So my mom filled up the bath, um, and it probably took me, like, a good 30 to 40 minutes just to lower myself into the bath. Like, I started, like, with just my feet in, and then just up to my knees, and then just up to my thighs, and then just up to my belly button, and then finally, like, I was able to get all the way in. But for a while, I was um, leaning half out of the tub on my elbows, and um, that was helping get through the pain too. And, um, I thought the bath would offer more relief. Um, and I think my contractions were just getting super intense at that point. Um, so the bath didn't offer a lot of relief for me, but it was a good distraction. Um, so then at that point I was in the bath, um, I finally got myself all the way lowered in and sat and, it's funny because my husband and my mom thought at that point that like I stopped having contractions or something because I became super 
quiet and like wasn't moving and like had my eyes closed and um and I was having really intense contractions at that point and I think um that was the only way that my body could get me through them was just to like focus inward on just getting through them um so like when I would feel one coming the way I can describe it um, and other women may describe it differently, um, is like a wave building. Like it would start and it would kind of not feel that bad. And then it would like build and get stronger and stronger. And then I would like feel it at its peak. And then like at its peak, I would just focus on relaxing my face, relaxing my body, picturing my baby moving downward and out and just like not tensing up. Um, cause like I had done research that if you want things to continue to progress, like you have to keep your body like calm and loose and like, you know, in a good state. So I would do that. And then I would feel the contraction kind of like wearing off and then I would get through it. And, um, at that point, like on a monitor, they told me my contractions were like coming like every one to two minutes. They were basically on top of each other. Um, and so I also would like to mention like my contractions never slowed down. Um, from the time I left the doctors, they were five minutes apart. From the time I got home, four minutes apart. From the time we headed to the hospital, three minutes apart. To the time we got to the hospital, two minutes apart. So they just kept getting closer together. Um, I never really got a break. And really the only time I would talk to my mom or my husband, um, and the only time I wanted support is if I was going to throw up and I needed them to bring me something. Um, other than that, like, I preferred being in my own space and my own world, and, like, I didn't want to be touched or talked to, um, if that makes sense, and at one point, I asked my husband to bring me a comb that I had packed, um, from an idea that I saw for managing unmedicated birth. Um, you squeeze the comb in your hand um, close to your forehead. And then um, the theory is that whatever pain is closest to your brain, your body feels that first and focuses on that first. So like when I would feel a contraction coming, I would squeeze the comb and oh my God, that comb, I really hope um the next time I have a baby that it works for me the same because it was magic for me like I must have gotten through like another two hours um of contractions with that comb maybe even three and I felt like it was just bearable because of that comb so at that point I think I'd been in the bath for like two hours and they wanted me to come out and check me and I was like oh just a little bit longer <laughs> like I kept kind of delaying because like again just getting in that headspace to move when you're trying to get through contractions just to like go from one area of the room to another area was a lot um and I also want to mention some other things I tried like I tried sitting on the birth ball did not like that tried sitting on the bed or different positions on the bed did not like that like I needed um to be distracted and so sitting on the toilet backwards and sitting on the bath backwards were mainly the two things I did um so they finally convinced me to get out and um come over to the bed and check me 
and they checked me and they said I was nine centimeters and I I started clapping like I smile I, I kid you not I smiled and clapped my hands because like I knew at that point I had I was almost there like I was almost to the pushing phase and I had made it through all of that unmedicated like you know I was doing it I was doing what I wanted to do in the way that I wanted to do it and I was I was feeling proud of myself um so at that point they're like yep it's just a waiting game now like whenever you feel ready and it had to have only been like a few minutes later and I said I feel the urge to bear down and they checked me and I was complete and I was like wow um so at that point um they told me that the baby started having heart decelerations. Um, so they kept flipping me into different positions and um, trying to get a good read on him. Um, and like, I really wanted to push on all fours or on on my side. Um, but when I would go on to all fours, um, he was having heart decelerations and um one side was worse than the other, but on the sides, he was having heart decelerations as well. Um, and so really the only, um, position that I could push in was on my back, unfortunately, which was like the one position I didn't want to push in. Um, but that was, you know, what was best for his heartbeat. And I should mention that the nurse I loved, um, Carly was like so calm and like, you know, she wasn't acting frantic, um, like some other people in the room, um, the resident doctor, like, he seemed a little nervous, and, like, like, moving fast, and, like, you know, trying to offer me oxygen, and, um, things like that, um, and I, for some reason, like, I was never scared, um, I just, I just knew, like, that this baby, was going to be okay, and that he was going to come out vaginally, and, um, he was going to be healthy, um, and I should say up until this point, um, when they checked me when I was nine centimeters, um, my water hadn't broken yet, and they asked if they could break it, and I delayed it a little bit, because again, all the birth stories I had listened to, I knew that when they break your water, things get even more intense, and I was like, how can, it get more intense than it already is right now. Um, so I was a little scared for them to break my water. Um, but eventually I let them break my water and, um, they, they didn't tell me then, but there was meconium in the water. Um, so the NICU team came in and, um, I think it was like kind of more scary for like my husband and my mom cause they could see everything happening. And I was kind of just on this bed, like, um, focusing, um, but yeah, so I started pushing, and they were saying that he was having heart decels, so during the pushing, um, what I didn't know was, um, the doctor and nurses were telling my husband and, um, my mom that, um, if I didn't get the baby out quickly, that it would most likely turn into an emergency C-section. Um, but that don't worry, I was in good hands and, you know, they were going to do everything they could. Um, and I, 
like, this is kind of weird, but during the pushing, I was so mentally with it. I expected to be checked out and um, not being able to like think and have deeper thoughts. And this is going to sound crazy, but during the pushing, I was thinking about things like, I wonder what my dog's doing at home right now. Or um, did I remember to put that leftover box in the fridge? And um, it was weird. Like, I don't know if it was my body's way of trying to disassociate with the pain. Um, but I was very with it in my thoughts and I knew that they were, um, worried about heart decelerations, but I kept looking up at the monitor and I saw that, you know, his heart rate kept going back up and, um, I had done enough research to know that, you know, his heart range was still in a healthy place and, I knew that I needed to stay calm um, for him and I needed to breathe in, you know, the right amount of oxygen and focus on my breathing pattern, you know, to give him the most amount of oxygen. Um, So although the room was a little stressed around me, um, I truly feel like I had a peaceful birth because I was able to stay peaceful for the most part. Um, I did get to the ring of fire and, um, for those of you that have experienced that, you know what I'm talking about, but I yelled out to the room, um, I feel the ring of fire (laughs) and the room got a little excited, um, you know, and kind of everyone got into place. Um, oh, I should mention that, um, they, I did have a lot of people around me. Um, I had the resident to my left. I had two nurses to my right. Um, I had a nurse near my feet. Um, and then the NICU team was kind of in the back of the room. And then I had my main doctor, um, you know, down by my feet. And then I, um, had my husband up by my left side, um, helping hold my leg and hold my hand and, um, helping giving, me oxygen, um, with an oxygen mask. And, um, so there was a lot of people around me. And at this point it was two something in the morning. Um, the room was pitch black. Um, I had requested to keep the lights off. Um, and they did ask my permission and consent, um, if, they needed to use the vacuum in case of emergency, and I did give consent to that. Um, so after I felt the ring of fire, I felt this like intense pressure, and the way I can describe it is it felt like the doctor's hands um, were inside of me, like one one hand on each side and just like ripping me open, <laughs> not to be too graphic but this is a podcast about sharing real life stories. Um, And I thought that she was vacuuming me or something, but come to find out that was just the baby's head crowning. And wow, 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 wow is all I can say. Um, But I ended up pushing him out in um, 29 minutes. And it was around... 10 pushes, I believe. Um, 
and I thought it was a lot longer um, when I finally got him pushed out and onto my chest and was holding him and just in pure bliss and closing my eyes. Um, you know, after I came to and I was talking to my nurse later, I asked, you know, how long was that? Like expecting her to say a couple hours of pushing and she told me it was under 30 minutes and I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, so yeah, I ended up having my son vaginally unmedicated. Um, I did not need the vacuum. I, um, fortunately did not need an emergency C-section. Um, the meconium in the water was a scare, but he came out healthy and breathing. And so the NICU team quickly left the room. Um, everything calmed down. Um, and some people always leave this out of their birth story, but I remember when I listened to birth stories, I was always so curious about this. Um, I did have a little bit um, of a tear. It was a little less than a second degree tear. Um, and they just gave me some numbing medication down there and stitched me up. And um, to be totally brutal and upfront and honest, it's like you I hardly felt it. It's like the last thing on your mind. Um, tearing was not a big deal at all. Um, compared to everything else you feel, the contractions and the pushing and the ring of fire and, um, the you know, tearing is nothing. <laughs> um, and not to say that it's nothing. Like, um, just in that moment, it's the last thing on your mind. Um, so they stitched me up and... I hardly felt that or noticed that. And then I was just cuddling my baby and holding him. And um, I should mention when he came out, he didn't cry um, right away. He just was kind of calm and peaceful and um, which actually scared me because, you know, everyone around me had been talking about um, the heart decelerations and the meconium in the water and you know, here he is just so peaceful and cuddling me. And so I was like, I said to the room, I'm like, why isn't he crying? And then I startled him and he started to cry a little bit, but then he quickly stopped and I hadn't even seen his face yet. Um, I must've cuddled him for an hour before finally I asked, uh, my husband to take a picture of his face. Cause you know, I didn't even want to move. I, I, I just, I had my baby, but I did want to see what he looked like, so he did, and that was the first time I saw his face was actually um, on a picture, um, but then eventually I did move him, and I wanted to try um, the breast crawl, and for those of you that aren't familiar with that, um, it's where you kind of just lay your baby on your chest, and they kind of root around and move their own head around, and kind of um, crawl their way towards the breast and find food and so I did that and he started nursing right away and that was amazing um, and he was a good little eater like from that very first time um, so that was amazing and I would say the only thing that I wasn't fully happy with um, about my birth experience was um, because I did slightly tear um, and, you know, just kind of the drama of some of the other things going on, um, them being worried 
about like it becoming an emergency delivery. Um, I think they thought they were doing me a favor, um, just delivering my placenta for me and not really involving me. Um, cause I would have liked the experience of pushing it out and seeing it. Um, cause I'm just a weird birth ner- nerd like that. I would have like, uh, taken a picture and, um, I think I was just so out of it when all of that was going on. Um, I didn't even see my husband cut the cord. Like I said, my eyes must have been closed for a while. I was just cuddling that baby and just my whole world was just that baby. Um, And the rest of the room kind of faded away. Um, So I think the next time um, I birth a child, I want to really be involved in those steps as well. I want to see my placenta. I want to see my husband cutting a cord. I want to be a part of all of that. So other than that, though, I'm so happy with how things went. Um, I was very proud of myself for managing the pain um, and, you know, setting my intentions to do something and uh, following through. And, you know, Although so many things are out of your control um, and you never know how things could go, um, you know, my next birth could be totally different and I'll have to do everything totally different. So I think it's really important um, just to listen to a lot of birth stories and to keep an open mind that, you know, things things might not go as you hoped or planned. And um, I just felt fortunate that a lot of things did, um, go as I had hoped. Um, a few other things just to note, um, we only stay in the hospital one night, um, and from the time we got to the hospital at nine something at night to the time my son was born at two something in the morning, um, it was just around five hours, so, um, it was pretty fast first labor, um, I think my next labor could be even faster or it might not be, but I'll have to see. Um, So my son was six pounds, 13.4 ounces. Um, He was 19 inches long and it was 2.37 in the morning. Um, The doctor that delivered him was um, actually named Dr. Buck, which was funny because his uh, nursery at home was like, um, deer and buck and moose and, um, you know, woodland animal themed. Um, she wasn't my doctor that I had been seeing. Uh, she was just a doctor that was on call. Um, but kind of funny coincidence, she ended up being the doctor of my sister-in-law. So it was just kind of a small world. Um, but yeah, we had a happy, healthy little boy and, I just, that the, those first 24 hours in the hospital with him, you know, his birth day, um, I was just so right in love and so I didn't want to miss a second with him. So I, I ended up staying awake <laughs> his whole first 24 hours. Um, I just wanted to stare at him and hold him and, you know, do skin to skin and uh, feed him and... Um, so it was cute when he went to his little 24 hour appointment, um, they said he had already gained weight and, um, his poop had 
already um, turned to regular poop. Like the the dark stool was gone, um, and that he was already peeing, and um, so they were just kind of blown away by how well he was um, adjusting. And they asked us if we wanted to go home early. Um, and so we decided that we did. And and although, um, you know, for anyone that stayed in the hospital and had a baby, you know, your door is a revolving door. You know, you've got the pediatrician coming in, the doctor coming in, the nurse coming in, um, you know, the lactation consultant coming in, all these different people coming in, um, and, you know, telling you all these things, asking you all these things, showing you all these things. Um, but then to ask if you want to go home, you're like, are you sure? Are you sure we're allowed to? Um, you sure we've got this? Um, but yeah, we, we did. We, we went home and um, I was just so proud of the way my husband and I adjusted um, to parenthood and being a team and those first um, 12 weeks of our baby's life together, um, we were very fortunate. Um, he also got 12 weeks off from work. And um, in those 12 weeks, um, he was actually presented with a promotion um, that then gave me the opportunity to um, take a leave of absence from teaching and become a full-time stay-at-home mom. So that's what kind of brings me to this podcast. Um, it's funny how becoming a mother um, can kind of birth a new person within yourself too. And I just feel like I love be I love being a teacher, and I'll I'll probably go back to it some day in in one sense or another. But above all else, I love being a mother and. Um, I love everything that comes with it. Um, so I guess to just kind of wrap up this episode, I know it's really long. Um, I want to say some note, notable things during my postpartum. Um, I probably stopped bleeding around, um, two to two and a half weeks, um, and I was sore, like, when it came to walking, only for, like, the first couple days. And then um, I pretty quickly felt, like, my normal energy and my normal self. And I've heard some people say um, that they feel like they got hit by a, a truck or run over by a train. Um, I was fortunate enough that I think my pushing was so fast. Um, like I said, I pushed for under 30 minutes that my muscles really weren't that sore. Um, one weird thing that happened to me is I think I did pull my collarbone out of place. (laughs) Um, and then weirdly the bottom of my feet hurt a lot. Um, which I then later learned, um, there's like a, there's a chemical in your body that like relaxes everything when your body is going into labor, um, just to relax all your muscles to make it easier to push out the baby. Um, and your feet, like the arches of your feet can actually fall like flatter a little bit because of that. Um, so those were like my two most painful things, um, during postpartum were the bottom of my feet, um, 
and my collarbone. So if anyone else has had those weird symptoms, um, reach out to me. I would love to know. But um, another thing to note, because I'm just going to be upfront and real, um, people on the internet will scare you about taking your first you know, bowel movement after having a baby. Like, they'll make you feel like it's going to be World War II. Like, you know, it might be worse than pushing out the the actual baby. It was not bad. Because, um, like, everyone tells you to take stool softener and blah, 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 blah. I would actually recommend not taking it if you're, like, just a regular person that typically goes every day and, you know, you don't have issues outside of um, postpartum life because I took it and it actually made me sick. Um, but I'm just here to tell you it wasn't that scary. It was fine. I survived. Um, my stitches healed quickly. Um, I think they just got a little itchy, maybe around the two or three week mark. Um, yeah, I was, I had my normal amount of energy and if anything, I would say, I had like extreme highs um, because some people experience um, the oxytocin crash and like have some, um, you know, anxiety or depression. Um, I would say I was kind of more manic. Like I had too much energy. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't fall asleep. And and looking back now, like I know that was a different type of unhealthy. but I was just too excited to sleep. And um, when I would take care of him, when I would change his diaper or breastfeed him or just really anything, I would get this like oxytocin rush and I would just be too excited. Um, So I want to say like it was probably like over a week and I had barely slept. Like I might have had like a nap here and there. And finally, like, I was starting to lose it, like, a little bit. Like, I thought I put my cell phone in the wash machine and, you know, other weird things were happening from being sleep-deprived. And my husband was finally like, enough. You need to sleep. Like, I know you're excited. I know you are just right in love and you just want to do everything with him. But you need to sleep to be the best mom. So it was probably then that... Um, I kind of started to slow down and sleep and, and here I am six months postpartum and I still feel like I just had a baby. Um, so maybe you can relate to that. I'm just kind of now getting into, um, wanting to exercise more and feeling stronger. And, um, so that's where I'm at in my journey. And, I've absolutely loved being a stay-at-home mom. The biggest adjustment for me is just, um, you know, not having adult conversation during the day, um, which, like, I was used to anyways being a teacher. Um, I talked to five-year-olds all day, <laughs> so things weren't too different for me, but um, I wanted to create this podcast because not only selfishly for me, um, to be able to talk and connect and, you know, have an adult thing that I look forward to. That's just my own space for myself. Um, I know that other 
women and other moms um, could also benefit from just feeling heard, like that someone cares to hear about their story or someone cares to hear their voice or someone wants to talk to them. Um, so yeah, if you've stayed with me to this point, thank you. Um, I know I probably went off on some tangents or overshared, um, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me, um, on Instagram at mom space, um, under, uh, underscore podcast. Um, and I look forward to releasing more episodes in the future. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. If you'd like to connect with me, you can reach me at momspacepodcast2022 at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at momspace underscore podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.